Welcome to the Crossroads Podcast, where we'll deliver you globally the best in project finance news in 30 minutes or less, or we'll deliver you a free pizza. Uh, I'm John Burke, America's editor for Information News. Joining me today is uh, Information Zone Australian reporter Sean Drummond, who's uh, been in the United States for about uh, a month at this point, uh, over the holidays and into January, um, to enjoy our cold weather. Sean, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he's here to share his insights on the Australian uh, PPP market uh, before he returns back home, which is later today. So we're we're blessed we we're able to fit him in. Yeah, just uh, call me. <laughs> later in the program, uh, research analyst Melissa Gutschu and I will preview the U.S. market. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Melissa. And finally, um, Sparks analyst Molly Higgins uh, will discuss a rising financing trend amongst solar deals. Thanks for joining us today, Molly. So, Sean, first off, what can you say about uh, the USA in the past four weeks? It's very big, <laughs> very overwhelming, um, very exciting, um, grand in the true sense of the word. I went to the West Coast did a bit of a driving trip there, um, saw the sites, came over here, bit of a driving trip over this side as well. Um, and New York is, yeah, is is incredible. Um, I, I think I'm looking forward to going back home for a little bit of quiet though. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Well, this program is not geared about comparing the, uh, the Metro in Sydney versus the New York City transit system, but... Which is very, it's, it's, it's a bit rickety, but works really well. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. Um, but we are here to talk about the PPP market. Um, you know, every year when we have the USP3 conference in June, um, Australia comes up likely um, in every other panel about, well, if things were like they were done in Australia, yeah, we'd, we'd have a perfect uh, US yeah. PPP market um, yeah. with such concepts as asset recycling All that, uh, being yeah. a, a very important driver of this. And what I think a lot of the consultants we speak to want to introduce to these um, municipals, municipalities that they should be doing this. But why don't you uh, just give us a little insight about how uh, PPPs work in Australia and, and how asset recycling became a concept? Yeah, sure. Um, look, PPPs have been around uh, for, gosh, I think the, one of the first ones was about 91, I think it was a road in Sydney. Um, I think we, we kind of copied the UK, I think they were first, but, and we've done them in all sorts of different places. And they're getting pretty big these days. Uh, I would say they come and go, though. It depends on the politics, as it does here. Um, certainly uh, the last year or so, uh, I've had a lot of whinging from uh, bankers and the like saying there's just not enough of them. Um, uh, albeit they're very big, and I think that's part of the, the issue. They've got so big, they just take that long to get to, to an end. There's not enough smaller deals in between to keep the market so kicking light along. Rail, light, light rail projects, in other words, versus light smaller rail, social... Light rail, social infrastructure. Yeah. Very, very, the social infrastructure deals have sort of gone away. Mm -hmm. Various reasons for that. But, I mean, looking at some of the stats from our own stats, I mean, uh, over the last five years, P3 is the rich financial close. According to Australia, there was 27. US, 40. Canada, more than 100. Uh, so Australia is somewhere between, I guess, in terms of their enthusiasm for them. I guess the US should be a lot higher than that, given the size of the market. Um, well, I, th I think, too, the explanation in Canada, and Melissa can opine on this, too, is that they find ways to 
put in smaller projects truly between the bigger ones. Um, yeah, you were mentioning social infrastructure project. That's really big in Canada, and yeah. so you'll see a lot of smaller deals. Although I want to say that last year we've had a lot of uh, transportation deals in Canada and uh, quite a big capex um, in total. Uh, if you look at the deals that reached financial close last year, there were 11 for almost $7 billion. There were two less last, the year before in 2018. Uh, sorry, there were two more in 2018, so $13 billion, but it was only for $5 billion. So even though there's a lot of smaller social infrastructure projects, the deal, the deal size has been quite big with the... Yeah, and Lisa's obviously referring to the uh, Ontario and Ottawa extensions that um, took place over 19 and 18. One of the reasons, I guess, uh, look, we had a we had a we had some uh, some ones in the two thousands that that um, uh, a load of road uh, PPPs went bust, and so there was a real kind of hiatus after that. Plus the financial crisis, um, you know, there's a lot of debt in PPPs. Um, but I suppose one thing that's kind of kept them consistently. You know, as a, as a, just a common part of the landscape, um, we have um, we have a national PPP policy. All the states and territories, the federal government agreed to, which was drawn up by an organisation called Infrastructure Australia, which is an independent um, statutory body, um, and that was agreed to 2008. Uh, so basically, it means any any project over fifty million Australian dollars, they have to each state and territory has to consider it for a PPP at least. You know, they may not choose to do it, but it, it's just part of the kind of makeup. Um, is it bilateral in the sense that that Infrastructure Australia will also suggest things, or is it more? Look, look, Infrastructure Australia, they will. They'll do sort of. Uh, they they regularly do. Um, um, kind of, uh, I'm just trying to think what the name of it is now, but they, they um, policy suggestions like this is what we think you should do. We think they've said in the past we think you should privatise all the water mm-hmm. infrastructure. Um, the government said no, thank you very much. But um, polit- politi- politics just won't allow that. But so they are they are truly uh, an independent organisation, even though they're still government. Um, and they will, they've said, I think they've said, you know, consistently. You know, it is a. I mean, the thing is, it is a. It is quite a, a well accepted way of procuring infrastructure in Australia. So it's almost like they don't need to say anything much now. Yeah. The government's just. It's there. Um, it comes and goes depending on. So some states. So at the moment, New South Wales, Victoria, the biggest states, they would definitely do the most of them mm-hmm. but that's particularly that's where mo- because most of the population is that's where most of the growth is mm-hmm. so they've got to build a lot more new infrastructure um, uh, other states Western Australia's done them a lot in the past and experimented you know quite a bit with different styles mm-hmm. at the moment none because this government just is not interested in them it's just it's a it's a Labour government generally the Labour governments you know the left-leaning governments tend not to use them as much and the Liberal government which is the Conservative government in, a, in Australia probably uses them a bit more but it, it's not that cut and dry like there's a Labor government in Victoria they use they're probably doing more of them at the moment <laughs> yeah than well, others let's, yeah. Um, let's adjust asset recycling yeah so asset recycling yeah. is a yeah. big part of that as you said yeah. uh, is part of the because Essentially, um, I mean, you would you would know this well from all the conferences talking about it. But um, so when this particular federal government came in in 2013, they came out with a proposal that they would 
<clears throat> give 15% of the proceeds of any sale of public infrastructure to the state mm-hmm. as long as they use that money to build new infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that really was only taken up mainly by New South Wales. Like mm-hmm. um, uh, Victoria has a, did a bit as well, but they had already privatised a lot of stuff in the 90s, so mm-hmm. they had less to sell. Um, Queensland, they had big plans, uh, they, but they went too far and too fast, so they were going to sell everything off. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got kicked out after one term because of it. <laughs> so, but, And they were going to sack a lot of public servants and so on. So that killed it in mm-hmm. Queensland, basically, because... Um, so that really only South Wales, and so they... Basically, they sold um, a three electricity distribution networks. Um, uh, they so the, the land titles office yeah. and and a bunch of other things. And then, well, just to get to the mechanics of it, though, I did want to get around to it. Yeah. Is that some within the, the the states over there? Is there certain guidelines about where the, the money goes towards? Is that why it's pointed like they go directly into social and education programs? Or, it's uh, not that specific. Okay. The state it's up to the state. Basically, it's simply you get it, you you have to build new infrastructure mm-hmm. with this money that you get from the sale. Okay. That's, yeah, and the state decides where it goes. Basically, but it's not like defined. Like there's no, no. okay, okay. No, not in this particular. I mean, some in in some instances, the the feds when they give money will say no, we want it going to this. But okay. generally, the states get to decide what they're going to do with the money. Um, so, well, just to give you the two pointed examples that we have, one is a little bit to be determined, I guess. But the the deal that closed recently was the Iowa University um, P three, um, where it involved uh, Anji and Meridium um, doing a you know an O and M and renovation of existing energy systems. Um, but they uh, it included an upfront payment of a billion dollars to the university. Um, they just strip away some fees, but just a shade under a billion yeah. gets established as an endowment. Yep. Um, which I thought considered like extraordinary. Like yeah, honestly, yeah. It, it is a state school, and they do have a lot of subsidies. But the fact that there's now just an, an under a billion dollar That's endowment a, established a yeah. for letting somebody like make your old energy systems like yeah, energy, yeah. you know, sustainable and. You know, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. Um, the other one, a little bit less clear, is uh, Indiana Toll Road. Yeah. Um, sto- also a storied name, um, unfortunately, uh, for, for good, bad, and ugly. Um, they agreed to a deal where um, the commercial trucking rates would go up. Um, yeah. In exchange for doing that, the concessionaire had to, which was now IFM, uh, had to make a billion dollar payment to the state of Indiana. Now, I, we, we have to follow up to figure out like where that billion's going towards. Um, yeah. But I think they, they still need to close on some financings. But yeah, there have been some cases recently. Yeah. It's just kind of, you know, it's been weird. It hasn't been as publicized as much as I thought it would. Either project, no, yeah, to that notion. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the project was reported on who won and how yeah. it was going to work, but they but didn't sort of like spell it out. This is acid recycling. And I will at least spell out where is it going. Which, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it, it's yeah. very different. You know, yeah. It seems to follow the, from what I'm getting from, you know, investors here, it's yeah. a very... Um, much a, they talk about a private to private market mm-hmm. here and it's like the private sector projects where it's a much more a government market mm-hmm. I guess in Australia and and so you will see where the money goes because it's pump it's it's the government and they have to say 
what they're doing with it. And that's part of selling it, mm-hmm. though. The asset recycling and saying, okay, we're selling this, which think this is is controversial anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. privatising anything, um, and it remains so. But but you're going to get this mm-hmm. as a result. So, and you know, uh, uh, so they so as a uh, as a consequence, they're building a lot of transport projects. Sure. That's where it's going, mm-hmm. just because that's where the need is. The growth, Australia's one of the faster growing developed countries, I guess. So the population is just going up. Excellent. So that means they need a lot of transport. They need roads. And so that means they go, it is going into very big projects. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, you mentioned Sydney Metro. There's multiple new metro projects being built. There's a, there's a new airport being built. Mm-hmm. You know, not all of those will be PPPs. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them, the government's just choosing to do it themselves because they've got enough expertise mm-hmm. now internally. But there's a lot of tunnelling. Mm-hmm. and that's usually the most complex mm-hmm. and usually that sort of lends itself to a PPP. Mm-hmm. You've got things like North East Link in Melbourne, which is a, is a motorway. Mm-hmm. That's being done as an availability PPP, which rather than, a, you know, where you're taking traffic risk, which is a problem, like, no one still wants to track traffic risk in Australia. It's probably... The, it's because of all these toll roads you, bust, basically. Yeah. So well, that's the, it. Yeah. In the in the US, I I don't think they've quite recovered at all from that. Like, there's just been a very sincere lack of same. Yeah. Yeah. Projects. Same deal. The other but, reason yeah. for it is to use that kind of model mm-hmm. is to ensure competition with transurban because transurban dominates right. the market. Um, now, if they just did like West Connects, which is another big road in Sydney, they yeah. sold half of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that people tried to com- commit, um, compete with transurban. They mm-hmm. just couldn't in the end, basically. They just had all the firepower. Basically, transurban wants a... They, they, they want to track traffic risks because they have all the data. Okay. on all the traffic and there's a few others that do have that ability but not quite there so you know there's a few models like that that they're looking at but that's the issue what I'm going to get yeah. to finally is why we've got so f- we've got now not that many mm-hmm. just very big so North East Link is 16 billion you know the next Sydney Metro is at least 20 billion on mm-hmm. its own and there's another one that's 15 billion you know just massive elephants that you know, take a long time to get there. And in the meantime, there's not much filling the gaps. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to circle back to you in a little bit uh, to talk about uh, some of what you've learned here, but let's shift gears over to the U S and Canadian market. Um, where again we saw two proponents picked uh, yesterday in Canada and uh, the Halton consolidated regional courthouse, um, get it going to, um, a Fengate Group and the Nova Scotia Twinning project being awarded to um, the BBGI and uh, the construction company that I'm forgetting now. Well, I guess a good start for the US and Canadian market that we got somebody in January. Melise, why don't you uh, take us through um, just what happened in 19 and maybe what's to come in 2020 um, for some of these bigger projects? We have a bunch of social projects that look like they have a good chance of making it. There is a managed lane controversial project in Maryland, which we'll be following all this year if it reaches financial close by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. 
um, then I will be very pleased. And I think yes. everybody will be pleased by that as well. But uh, with that note, I'll let you talk, Melise. Go ahead. Thanks, JB. So looking at 2019 and the P3 uh, industry, Canada has always been the most active, but it's seen kind of a, a bit of a hiatus in their procurements with the provincial government that had changed, and we've missed a, a year of pipeline. Um, but that said, they've still managed to close 11 projects uh, for, I said previously, $7 billion, so that's still quite a lot. The U.S. closed only eight projects, which is two less than last year, but for a very small capex, so only a 1.7 billion deal value compared to over 5 billion last year. So there's clearly been um, a bit of a slowdown in the P3 industry. But that said, I think when we look at the pipeline for 2020, there clearly is a lot of hope. And as you said, Canada closed two deals uh, yesterday, and I think there's much more to come. They actually released uh, their update of the, uh, I mean, Infrastructure Ontario, the most active procurement agency in Canada, just released their updated pipeline. You can say for North America, too, at that point. Yeah, I guess for North America, yes. When you look at, the, <laughs> when you look at where, who is most active, it's Canada. Who's most active in Canada? Ontario. Um, they just released their pipeline, and it seems like they've got quite a few deals to, that will be uh, moving forward this year. Um, we have a few that w- are expected to reach financial close in 2014, so I'm just putting out some names there, not just Canada, but also in the U.S. There's a Credit River Bridge for in Canada. They shortlisted three teams uh, this year, so with Kewit and Dufferin, Elston, and Ferrovial. So we'll see that reaching financial close hopefully in September 2020, so busy fourth quarter. The, I mean, Halton Courthouse, you've mentioned. Uh, we also have the Petula Bridge, which is Akon and Axiona, uh, who've been selected on this uh, due to reach financial close. We have a few other projects uh, that I'm expecting could reach financial close or at least get to preferred proponents in the fourth quarter. So that would be the LA Civic Center. They have shortlisted three teams as well just um, at the end of the year. We have Clark Construction with Edgemore, NG, and Meridium. Uh, we have Johnson Controls with uh, Plenary. And the third team is with Hansel Phelps, Macquarie, and um, JLC Infra. So quite a big pipeline for already, given that we're only at the end of January, 31st of January, most precisely. Infrastructure Ontario also announced a few uh, procurements to be launched this year. So even if it's not going to be closing uh, in 2020, I think it gives uh, a bit more hope for 2021 and that the pipeline has been revived. So Ontario Line, which is a huge project, uh, will be launching in spring 2020. So I'm sure a lot of our people listening to us today are looking into this project and waiting for the RFQ. There's some more social projects, as you mentioned, the Kingston General Hospital, also in spring 2020. We have the Grandview Children's Treatment Center. The one in Montreal, too, is this year, isn't it? Too. This, uh... Okay, I'll look this up now. The Vul... Oh. This... uh, Something French. Something, yeah, something French. French. <laughs> <laughs> I should know. Yeah. That, that is coming up. Um, it was this year. Though. Yes, that's this year as well. There's another uh, uh, health redevelopment, the Lakeview one, uh, Trillium Health, uh, broader redevelopment as well. So a bunch of social projects coming up uh, this year. 
I guess Iowa didn't factor into 2019's numbers. Obviously, they haven't reached financial. They close haven't reached yet. financial yeah. close, and that will be in March 2020. That's yeah, uh, so soon. that's also going to add up to a few numbers to. And Miami Dade. Um, Miami Dade. That will also factor into 2020 yeah. as it's closing. So I think it's uh, yeah. the numbers are going to hopefully going to be up this year, and there's a lot of projects coming up. Yeah. And obviously the Maryland project you mentioned. I think we hopefully will get an RFQ this year. I doubt it will be financial close, but yeah, that um, that is sort of the the revival of the mass project is the Maryland managed lanes toll lanes project. But it's been a just controversial all throughout. Um, we had very pro P three DOT head in Maryland by the name of Pete Ron, who was championing like a three phase project. Yeah over $11 billion yeah. to add uh, toll lanes through Maryland and Virginia. Yeah. Um, but it was and, and much needed, too, for a former D.C. resident who said traffic on those roads <laughs> in the past and well aware some efficiencies would, would be well appreciated there. But obviously you're cutting through people's homes. You know, you're doing construction and yeah. making lots of noise. And, you know, when you do that, you're going to arouse people's suspicions. You're also charging more money, of course, to, mm-hmm. to go faster. Don't worry. You get yeah. a lot of that in Sydney yeah, at the no, moment. I, it's a, basically a construction site. Yeah. So <laughs> they, um, they basically drastically cut the scope. They sort of said those phases, but like, okay, this phase one is going to be like this. Um, it's going to be a bridge getting modernized and then spurs going in and out. And like they're like, let's start there, you know, mm, mm, and see mm. what we can do. And that's the process we're talking about. It's going to happen right. in 2020. So it's too, okay. uh, or, or go, sorry, start in 2020. Um, the other one, uh, there's been, a, a, again, the social thing has been a trend here. And another one that's taken off as part of that is um, sort of these mixed-use uh, developments falling into, like, category where there's a lot and category where there's one. The category we've covered a lot lately has been the transit-oriented development, where we've the cities have said, okay, it's kind of a real estate thing, but we own this bus depot, we own this train station, we want to modernize it, we want to build around it, yeah, and yeah. let the real estate kind of commercial real estate element pay for all this. Yep, now that's happening. Is yeah, trying to do it in Australia. Interesting. Well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, the most ambitious, I think, of them all is there's a, we have a stadium project in the U.S. Stadium. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Which I know has been done in Australia. I know it's been done yeah, in a little, um, bit. A little bit. Yeah. In yeah. has gotten a few done too as well. Yeah. yeah. But they want to. This isn't building a new stadium. It's uh, renovating one. It's called uh-huh. the Aloha Stadium in okay. Hawaii. Yeah. Um, they got sick of just having a, a stadium that was half empty hosting football games. So they want to downsize it from 50,000 to 35,000, make it more of a mixed use uh, venue. But the other thing is it's all connected. It's, um, it's in the same vicinity as a, a new uh, station for the Honolulu, Honolulu Rail or Hart. Um, which is also something we've been covering. It was this, this massive uh, light rail that they're building. So in between the light rail and this reduced stadium is 100 acres. I'm like, oh, we're going to redevelop that land into something yeah, yeah, spectacular. Yeah. So uh, that's something that um, is going to take place throughout 2020 as well. Um, the RFQ is coming out, I think, this quarter or, or the next quarter, mm. which is going to be uh, kind of an interesting process to monitor. Uh, no, in the U.S., you don't really need P3s for stadiums when you have billionaires who run. <laughs> no, stadiums. I guess yeah. not. I mean, we don't yeah. do a heck of a lot. I mean, yeah. One you get, didn't you get a rugby stadium built down there once? I know I've, I've looked yeah, to you guys before. Yeah, um, there has been. I'm not sure... I haven't seen in my time okay. any that's sort of been done as a as a P three or anything like that. But I mean, the other thing is they've got, they are building them, but mm-hmm. 
with the asset recycling, they've got all this money. So just so it's more just, like just there's money. <laughs> so that's yeah. part of I think where maybe where you haven't seen so many of the mm. smaller social ones. They've got all this money now. Mm. They can just spend it and build it. Got it. It's got it. They've got well, virtually no debt. In fact, they're in negative debt in New South Wales as a result of the asset right. recycling. That's changed again now because of other economic factors. But yeah, yeah, yeah they've got the cash. So, Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll shift to renewables for a little bit. Molly, you put out a story recently about solar equipment supply loans, or we call them ESLs, I believe. Um, yes, yeah. And um, I guess it was sort of in direct response to the federal solar tax credit getting not extended. Wind got extended, solar didn't. Right. And absent the tax credit, there was a funding gap. And I think this is where... ESLs come into view. So why don't you tell us about this a little bit? The solar investment tax credit, the ITC, was it dropped down as soon as 2020 began to 26% from 30%. So this uh, solar equipment supply loan, the ESL, it's a novel type of transaction in the solar space. It means that when a uh, developer acquires solar equipment such as panels or inverters and as long as the equipment will be used in projects operating by 2023 and the deal closed by the end of 2019 they'll receive the full 30 percent ITC and avoid the drop down to 26 percent. Um, this type of loan was seen in the wind industry when they were approaching their drop down as well. But yeah so in the solar space uh, for North America, we've been we've had a very active year, 260 deals, about totaling 37 billion dollars. As usual, solar rivaled the wind industry in activity, and this year, solar represented 35 percent of renewable deals with 12.6 billion. So this past year just solidifies that the trend of solar growing um, has grown and will continue to grow, and that is how the solar equipment supply loan comes into place. We've already now seen that in the next three years, at least 2.5 gigawatts of projects will be in the ground. And why? Because it's become more efficient to do so. Right. Yeah. Right. Obviously, by some of the um, developers you mentioned, uh, it, it's kind of a, globally, it's private and public. You know, these are obviously, you know, all over the place. People participate in this market right now. Mm. Who, um, who's, uh, have most banks been doing the origination activity for these loans, or who's been the ones providing the lending on this? For the most part, it has been banks, mm-hmm. um, some of the main players being Nord, Rabobank, Santander. There are a few life insurance groups that came in, um, but only two. We saw, so we saw a total of 10 deals of these kind, but... Mm-hmm. I've spoken to market sources, and these were only the ones that uh, information saw. It's very likely that there were many other deals. Um, the benefit of the of getting the full ITC was just too appealing, I think. Mm-hmm. So we have at least 10. The first deal we saw was by Recurrent Energy in September. Um, they borrowed $180 million, mm-hmm. and this was the first one that we saw, and so it caught our eye. And since then, we've seen nine other deals. And... So what we found the most interesting with these deals is that is the mix of the developers acquiring. So mm-hmm. we saw some historically large players in the industry like Recurrent, Clearway, uh, DE Shaw Renewables, but at the same time we saw people, um, we saw 
developers that we hadn't really seen before in the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, so developers like 7X Energy and C2 Energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that's a little sh- uh, shocking was that 7X Energy, their financing allows them to qualify more than two gigawatts of projects. So they're not someone that we've seen really with any gigawatts. I mean, in the project finance space, they've developed some on their own. But um, so we can just expect that this will lead to some new players in the uh, solar space for the next three years, at least. Yeah, especially when you see the available lenders you list here. That's kind of right all over the place. Some traditional project finance guys, um, to your point, some institutions as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting. Well, thanks for talking about it today. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. So, to sum it up, I'll have Sean before you board a plane for 38 mm-hmm. hours or however long. I think I'm kidding. It doesn't take that long. But um, yeah, well, are you doing a non-direct flight or are you going direct? I don't think you can. Oh. Well, oh, actually, right. no. Qantas just tried a direct flight all the way, but that was ni- that's 19 hours. Okay. Right, so but you're fine. I don't know LA. if I want to do yeah, that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you go LA and then... Yeah, Got it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, before you, you go on your, yeah. your cross-global journey here, um, you have been uh, talking to investors yeah. this week um, yeah. about, you know, obviously the, the Australian migration is one of the bigger lessons I've learned from information is that the everybody has the same gig. They're like, oh, yeah, we've done what we can in Aussies, and they sent us to go to the U.S. to, to see what we can do, see if we can yeah. transfer this energy over to the yeah, U.S. Yeah, infra market. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. what have they learned? Yeah, what have what they, they learned? learned? <laughs> what have I learned? Look, a lot of hope, obviously. Uh-huh. They've got a lot of money, mm-hmm. uh, and it's ever flowing in because of the Australian superannuation system. It's, we have to pay 9.5% of our income annually. So mm-hmm. they've just, as someone put it yesterday, they've basically got a fire hose mm-hmm. <laughs> in their face. And they've... Right. They're trying to deal with that. So, um, you know, we're starting to see some of the, the bigger Australian super funds start to, start to set up uh, offices here. Australian super, the biggest one, mm-hmm. is setting up in March. Mm-hmm. Um, they've already got someone here, but they're setting up an infra team mm-hmm. um, to invest directly. They already invest via GPs mm-hmm. and so on mm-hmm. for quite some time. Look, uh, despite the size of the market, I did get... A bit of a sense of frustration, as you may experience here. So, you know, you know they can't do the, some of the same sort of deals as they can in Australia. The you know, there's a different reluctance, obviously, to privatise things, mm-hmm. um, whereas governments are more used to that in Australia. Albeit, it's still controversial, and it's a, a private to private sort of market. You've got a, a lot more bilateral deals here, um, you know, less auctions and so forth, which. Is it actually the way the Australian market is kind of switching now because a lot of the big privatisations have kind of come to an end mm-hmm. there? So there's a lot more. It's becoming more like the US market. So, But they're basically, I mean, there's a few areas that uh, have come up that, you know, that they do a lot of roads in Australia. That's less so. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's more, you know, people don't like tolls. Yeah, um, their consistently energy space came up again and again, um, particularly, you know, midstream gas, the gas sector in general, mm-hmm. because of there's so much, obviously, gas coming out of the ground here, which uh, is, is actually kind of start, just... It exists in Australia. There's some big, big operators, listed operators that own pipelines, and, and but it's usually the oil majors. They're sort of integrated... Mm-hmm. Oil majors owning all the LNG infrastructure, which there's a huge amount in Australia, but that's kind of starting to open up 
and they're looking at the US, in fact, about how they've managed to do deals here to kind of do similar things over there. But that sector, look, a lot of them operate airports in Australia. They would love to do that here. Um, they're <laughs> not getting far, obviously. Basically, um, uh, and there's I'm not sure, rail, quite a few mentioned sort of short-haul rail... Yeah, that sort of thing, which is not, which doesn't really exist well, that's in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, obviously, there's the Patriot deal, yes, yeah. which is first state, their first deal in the US. Right. So they're beefing up their team here now as a result of that. Yeah. So they're midstream. They're mid, and so I mean, there's there's some big ones. Obviously, Macquarie's been here for 20 years, yeah. and they do everything, and they're in into everything: um, energy, telecommunications, tel- telco, and data mentioned quite a lot mm-hmm. some I mean it does vary it depends on what internal expertise they have and knowledge experience of a sector mm-hmm. so some of them haven't touched that at all and that's the case in Australia as well it's a very nascent area telco is only just kicking off there so obviously there is you know that's got a long way to go water was brought up a lot big potential it's the holy grail infrastructure you can't do without it yeah but similar to australia political it's very sensitive few would want to sell their water infrastructure we've had a couple of things sold in australia like desalination plants yeah but none of the big water sort of authorities and i don't think that's going to happen too soon it sounds like not here either taking private you know listed companies I, i understand the you know, the um, electricity distribution networks are pretty much all publicly listed already private. Well, we, we saw two kind of high-profile ones take place last year. It was El Paso Electric, which yep. the uh, J.P. Morgan Infra Fund took out. And um, obviously, currently, we have the Cincinnati Bell um, buyout situation with yep. uh, Brookfield and Macquarie yep. uh, trying to outdo each other. But, um, I mean, yep. IFM did the Buckeye one last yeah. year, which was another one. Right, is, right. Yeah, yeah part one, which, you know... They copped a bit of flack in the press for that in Australia. Fossil fuel, representing super funds. Interesting, anyway. Let's see how that kind of pans out. Um, And then, look, uh, Canada, it was basically seen as just too hard, too competitive. Canadians have sort of got it tied up. I'm sure they... There's a lot of P3s, though, going on there, but, yeah. Um, Yeah, there's... um, It's just sort of like... It's just kind of we've also margin uh, compression all that sort of we, we've also gotten calls about how the the provincial authorities like or like stick with certain people too you know like they have yeah, their, their favorites sure. and like they've been urged to expand and yeah um, i mean we i mean there's yeah. in there's um in new zealand there's a consortium headed by cdbq infra going for a light rail project there and they're trying to export I think a model that they put in place in Montreal which they become the actual delivery authority mm-hmm. even like sort of take over the whole government role there and it looks like they may get that but yeah, yeah. Latin America came up consistently okay. from everybody I think just about as a definitely an opportunity lots of different risks did they just say I mean were they sent around OECD in Brazil is that kind of how it was termed to you or are they not, like being more well, no, holistic no okay. I mean a little bit you know they're not look usually it is OECD mm-hmm. having said that some of the super funds you know some of them have fairly large allocations to emerging okay. markets um, so they want that 
higher return, uh, obviously higher risk, but it's you know it's a it's a small part of the portfolio. Yeah. Um, so consistently, Brazil not so much. They said that was the currency transfer yeah. was difficult as well as um, competitive into you know yeah, yeah um, market. Mm-hmm. Um, Mexico, Colombia, Chile. Um, Argentina was mentioned the other day. Yeah. Depending on, you know, so sometimes they just stop because of some major corruption scandal or something. Well, that's I mean, a whole other program for other time. That's 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 yeah. That's just the way it is. But and yeah, that's, that's just sort yeah. of basically because it's less contested. Right. I guess. Yeah. Well, Sean, that is all the time we have. Um, we thank you for sharing your time with us. Yeah, thank uh, you for having me, Molly and Melise. Thanks for coming on as always. Look, looking forward to the next program. Work out.